friends, good morning. Welcome once again to our Sunday morning time here at the Digital Cathedral. Hope you had a wonderful week and you're primed for even a better week next week. I want to take just a little bit of divergence this morning uh, off of the I Amness that I've been teaching on for the last several weeks, and we'll get back on that shortly. But my heart is to always remain Christ-centered in everything that we do, and this is what separates us from the metaphysical or even New Age teachers that teach that you are source. I never teach that you are source. I teach that you are the I am <clears throat> that emerges out of the I am that I am. The only thing that I am can ever be is what is already there with the I am that I am. There's three main teachings that are at the forefront right now, and it, it can well change um, in the next year, two years or five years, I don't know, but there's three main teachings that are really having an impact on the body of Christ right now. First one, of course, is the manifestation of the sons slash daughters. We've done a lot of teaching on the manifestation of sons and we'll continue to do that. Second teaching that is uh, right at the forefront is the understanding and the revelation that our identity, our authentic identity is divinity, that we were birthed out of divinity, we're partakers of the divine nature, and that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And of course, the third one that we've been talking about the last five or six weeks <clears throat> continuously has been our I amness and the creative power that comes out of being I am. Now, if we're going to take those three teachings and we're going to really flesh them out, live them out in daily life, then it's going to require that we live from a higher consciousness, from a different place, a different perspective, a different um, motivation. It's going to require that we, we make some flipping of the script in some areas of our life because we're now understanding, we're awakening to the fact that we are not uh, flesh that's observing, trying to observe a, a, what's going on in the spirit. We are in fact spirit that is observing what's going on in the natural world. Let me say it like this. We are not uh, humans trying to have a spiritual experience. So if you've kind of looked at things that way as being a, a, a flesh being, a human being, and you're trying to get over here to have this spirit experience, let me just reverse that for you. You are fully 100% pure spirit. And out of being pure spirit, you are having a human experience. But the human experience does not diminish from you being a spirit being. So we're going to begin to, to look this morning at something. And I'm just going to hit it this morning. And then we'll probably get right back on track next week. But I want to, I want to talk to you about this higher place of consciousness, this, this different perspective, this different motivation that all three of these teachings that are that are very prevalent in the body of Christ right now they have to have they have to have this foundation that I'm going to I'm going to speak to you about this morning they have to uh, spring off of that if they don't spring off of it then we're no different than than a metaphysician or a uh, new age teacher and that's not where we're going but there is a reflection that we have to come from and I want to keep that at the very forefront in everything that we do here at the Digital Cathedral and at the Secret Place on Wednesday night. So let's get started this morning. Let's come over to John chapter 14. That's going to be where we launch this morning, John chapter 14. And let me pick it up with verse 6, and I'm going to read down through verse 11. John chapter 14 and verse 6 says this, 
<clears throat> Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse seven, if you had known me, you would have known the Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So then Philip pipes up in verse eight and says, show us the Father and it will be sufficient. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus says in verse nine, have I been with you so long and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, how can you come up with this crazy idea, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the work. That's, that was the very centrality of everything that Jesus, when Jesus proclaimed, I am, it was, out of a, it was out of a central understanding that the Father was actually doing the work, not Jesus, not the man Jesus. It's not the man Don Keithley. It's not the man Charlie Brown or Susie Jones. It's, that's not the person doing the works. Always be reminded when we create out of an I amness that it's the Father in us, he does the works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else, or else believe me for the very sake of the works that I do. Now there's an old saying that maybe you're familiar with. The old saying is like father, like son. That's usually said about a son who displays a lot of the characteristics of the father. He may look like the father, he may have, you know, the same color hair, same facial features. He may walk like his dad, he may talk like his dad, ha have some of the same likes. He likes uh, his cheeseburgers with extra uh, mustard on it. Uh, you know, his personality, his choices, his character uh, reminds the observer of the son that he's just like the father. And so we hear that often, you know, like father, like son. So much so that when people see the son, they're reminded of the father. Now, the thing is this, to make that comparison to say like father, like son, you have to know both the father and the son. If you only know the father and you don't know the son and there's no son to give a comparison to. If you've just observed the son and the son's actions, but you don't know the father, then there's no father to compare him to. Now, it's very unusual that a son would ever say that about himself. Usually it's said about an outside observer, a friend of the family, uh, someone that knows both. It's usually said by them. It's very unusual that a son would ever say like father, like son. It's usually said by those that are observing, that have observed both of them. So if someone doesn't know the boy's father, they'll never say like father, like son. Jesus lived in a time when nobody really had an accurate picture of the father. They really didn't. So Jesus had to say it of himself. Jesus had to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So in essence, Jesus was saying like father, like son. It was the, it was the son's way of portraying an accurate picture of the father to those that didn't have a clue what the father looked like. So Jesus was trying to draw some comparisons between himself and the father. And so he told Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I like Father, like Son. All right, here's the point. Jesus gives us an example, a pattern to live by, so that you and I can reflect the Father. And hopefully at some point, somebody's going to look at your life and say, you remind me of the Father. 
You remind me of the Father that I've had revealed to me, a Father of love, a Father of grace, a Father of, of mercy. You're, you're, just like your, you're just like your heavenly Father. Jesus gave us a pattern to follow, but he also gave us a dimension to live out of, to demonstrate that pattern. In, Luke, in Mark chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus gave us the dimension. He gave us the place that we can demonstrate like father, like son, when he said this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual kingdom. I told you this morning that we're going to have to come at, at, at the three main teachings today of manifestation, right identity, manifestation in sons, right identity, and creative power of I amness. We're going to have to come at this from a different perspective and out of a different kingdom because you're a spirit. You're a spirit being that is having a human experience. So the spirit being operates out of the kingdom of God and Jesus gave it priority. He said, I want you to make sure that you seek this kingdom first. It's not a visible kingdom, it's an invisible kingdom. It's not perceived with physical eyes, it's seen with spiritual eyes. It's, 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 it's not out there, it's not out yonder someplace. The kingdom, Jesus said, is within you. Now establish that, it's a spiritual kingdom that is within you, if that's true, then the kingdom and the, and the likeness of the father-like son is developed within us. It's an inside job. We will, we will first develop it internally before we demonstrate it externally. The likeness of the father that you are developing will first be developed inwardly within the kingdom, in, within you, before it's ever demonstrated externally. You cannot demonstrate externally with any kind of force or power, but what it comes from a spirit force that has been developed within us. Now, I, I probably should spend some time on that, but I don't have time this morning. You're just gonna have to listen to this again. We can't demonstrate a force externally until the force has been developed internally. We can't reflect a father externally till the likeness of the Father has been developed internally and is developed in a kingdom. It's developed, this is a kingdom principle. Seek first the kingdom of God. Part of seeking the kingdom of God is the development, and this is by grace. Everything I say this morning is gonna be by grace. I don't want you to go out and try to reproduce anything I say this morning with your own ability or your own efforts. It's by grace. Remember what I told you grace is? Grace is a divine influence that will produce effortless change in your life as you rest in Him. So what I'm teaching you this morning is about resting in Him, and as you rest in Him, there will be changes take place in your life that will begin to transform you into the likeness of the Father. Remember what, what Paul said? He said, little children, I'm travailing for you again in birth until Christ is fully formed in you. It's a spiritual development, and is developed within the kingdom. Both the kingdom and the authority and the power to demonstrate the pattern of the kingdom and to demonstrate the pattern of the Father, they only come by revelation. Your eyes have to be open to it. I, 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 can, I can bring the revelation, but you've got to supply the illumination as the Spirit opens your eyes. I cannot see it for you. I cannot comprehend it for you. I cannot understand it for you. I can bring it. I can teach it. I can reveal it but you have to get the illumination of it. It's a, it's a, it's a work of the Spirit within, within the kingdom within you. 
So that's why I say don't, don't go out and try to reproduce this by flesh effort. We did that for too many years. It doesn't happen. It comes by grace. It comes by that divine influence that opens your eyes, creates changing you effortlessly, and what you're doing is resting in him. It comes by revelation. Matthew chapter 16, let's look at this. Matthew chapter 16, we're gonna get into some good stuff this morning, and I'm gonna teach till I'm done. So if you have to check out early or I'm teaching too long for you to pay attention to, that's fine, click off. But I'm gonna go this morning till I'm done. So I might run just, I'm warning you ahead of time. I might be a couple minutes over what I normally do. All right, comes by revelation. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, you know, the familiar scripture, he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do men say that I, now watch the wording here, I, the son of man, am? I'm not a big word mechanic. I don't often take words apart. I do define words sometimes, but I want you to notice how Matthew recorded this. Who do men say that I, he didn't say the son of God. Who did they say I, the son of God, am? He said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Now, here's, here's an insight on that. What Jesus was getting at was this. Everything that they're going to say about me as the son of man, they should be able to say about you as the son of man. So what Jesus, Jesus is going to drive a point home. He's going, to, he's going to bring some truth here. Whatever he is, whatever Jesus is as the son of man, you are also. Whatever it is, you are also. So here's what they said. Verse 14, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? Who, what's your perception of me as a son of man? Now remember what the son of man, he's the pattern. Here's the revelation. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you, son of man, are the Christ. Saying about you this morning, you are the Christ, the son of of the living God. He's the pattern son, but you fit the pattern. He's the firstborn among many brethren, but your number is in there just as well. Whatever is said about the original son of man can be said about you as the son of man also, right? No difference in this. They didn't know the father in verse 14. Some say you're like Jeremiah, you're like Isaiah, you're like John the Baptist. The reason they couldn't say like father, like son, or you are like the father. It's because they didn't have a revelation of who the father was. They didn't have a revelation. So to begin with, they got to see who Jesus is. And once they see who Jesus is, then they, be, they can begin to get revelation of the pattern that fits that of the father. So when you read in scripture, all these acts that God supposedly did, if Jesus did not do those acts, then don't believe it about the father. Some people have made the Father, especially in the Old Testament, and some evangelical preachers still are today, make the Father more like Zeus or the child sacrificing in, in fire Molech than Jesus. And Jesus is saying, look, who do, he said, you're, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. So by that confession, he's saying that you are like the Father. I've got a revelation of that. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But when you, make, when you make the father like Zeus or Molech, and along comes nothing like Zeus or Molech, then it, it's hard to make the connection. And that's why I think in verse 14, they couldn't make the connection. 
because in their thinking, they're still thinking in Old Testament. He's like Zeus, he's like Molech, he's angry, he's retributive, uh, he has no mercy, he's hard on sin, he'll kill you in a flat minute, he wipes out cities, he wipes out nations. Uh, that's nothing like what Jesus presented. So they couldn't make a connection. They couldn't say like father, like son. When your God's angry, and here's the point I'm going to get at, and this is why we have to come to a higher consciousness in, this, in, the, in the messages that are right at the forefront today. When you have a God that is angry, judgmental, unforgiving, punitive, you know what? You become just like this God that you formed in your mind then those things that you have that have never been conformed to the pattern son, those things within you that have never been conformed to the pattern son, because your God is punitive, he's angry, he's frustrated, he's vengeful, he'll, he'll knock you out in a heartbeat. You've not dealt with those things because you, you have not seen the connection. And as a result of that, here's what we do. We project those things inside of us that have not been conformed to the Christ within us, that are still adversarial, still pushing against it. We project those things on other people. That's why we behave like we behave. That's why when we get wronged, I'm telling you what, we get even. You mess with me, I'm gonna mess with you. You, you, you shoot my dog when he comes over in your yard, I'm gonna shoot your dog, I'm gonna kill your chickens, and maybe your firstborn. I'm gonna get even with you, there's no doubt about it. We, we demonstrate that because the God that we've created in our mind, he gets even with his transgressors. He's gonna burn you forever. He's gonna put you in hell, he's gonna get even. He, he, don't, he doesn't like that sin business and he's gonna punish it for eternity. So we go eye for eye because our God goes eye for eye. That's how we see him demonstrated. So we can't make the connection of like father, like son. The religious concept of God out of the Old Testament does not fit at all the bodily representation of Jesus. Right? Doesn't fit the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And the Father, Father from the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament does not fit that. So we create a false God from the Old Testament in our minds, and religion has stoked it. Churches have, have petted it. They have encouraged it. We create a, a false God from the Old Testament in our mind. And you know what? The church has become just like the God of the Old Testament. So when Jesus comes in, he's entirely different. They don't even recognize it. They don't recognize him. They're nothing like him. Bible says that God created man in his image and likeness, and man returned the favor and created a God in his image and like in man's image and likeness. And the image and likeness that man created him in is nothing like Jesus. We have a God who excuses all of our anger, all of our get even, all of our hate, all of our separation of them and us. He, 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 he looks at that and he doesn't do anything about it. He excuses it because that's how the God is that we have created. We think, isn't it amazing that God hates the people we hate? And God doesn't excuse the things we don't excuse. He's hard on what we're hard on because we've created him. Nothing like Jesus. So along comes Jesus, and he claims to be just like the Father. But he's nothing like the religious perception that they have deeply embedded within them. And so when he claims 
to be the son of God, when he claims and says, you've seen me, you've seen the father, they want to kill him because he's nothing like it. And they get angry and they say, you being a man have made yourself like God. Now, John, John got it. John got the like father, like son thing. And then he expands the circle. And this is where I'm going to begin to teach you now. He expands the circle, father like son, son like father. He expands the circle and brings you into it. All right. He brings you into it. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. We're coming to a higher consciousness this morning. We're going to begin to elevate in some things if we're, going to, if we're going to keep these three main messages, manifestation of the sons of God, identity as divinity, and the, the creative power of the I am-ness, I'm telling you what, this is, this is, this is cutting edge stuff. But we gotta, we gotta remain grounded. We have to remain stable and secure in our Christocentric view of everything that we do. All right, 1 John chapter four. He brings you into this now. Jesus reflected the Father. John said, like Father, like Son, now brings us in. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Definition of God. Verse 9. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Let me read that again. In this, the love of God was manifested. He sent Jesus into the world to manifest the love, right? He sent his only begotten son into the world that we will live through him. So there's a transference of the father to the son to you. He's bringing us into this, verse 10. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Oh, that's so powerful. We love him because he first loved us. We didn't choose him, he chose us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So verse eight, he gives us the definition of God, which is love. Then he says that Jesus came to fully reflect it and to live it out as a pattern for us, that we can adapt ourselves to that pattern. Now, the word love that's used there is not sorge, it's not a family kind of love, it's not uh, phileia, it's not a brotherly love. You know what it is. In all those verses, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, all five verses, the only word that he uses for love there, as you guessed it, it's agape. A lot been said about agape. Agape love is the God kind of love. It's it's pure love, it's willful love, it's sacrificial. It comes down a one-way street. <clears throat> it doesn't require a response. You don't have to love it back. It comes down a one-way street. It loves one way, sacrificial. It always has the other person's best interest at heart. God loves us with a love that always has our best interest at heart. It's not a selfish love that says, you better respond to it, or I'll tell you what, I'm taking you to the woodshed because you didn't love me back. You haven't proved that you love me and worship me, therefore I don't love you. No, that's not, that's not what this kind of love is. It's pure, willful, sacrificial, one way, requires no response. It always has your best interest at heart. And he says, if God loved us like that, then we ought to love other people that way. Now, this is gonna get heavy. 
This is going to get heavy. I'm telling you right now. Some of you are not going to like this. Some of you may never come back to the digital cathedral, but I'm going to shoot you straight this morning about a level of consciousness that we have to, that we must. And again, this is not you have to do it. This comes by grace. God's going to work it in you. He's going to bring effortless change. You rest in him. Let him do the work. But the question is, is that level of love available to us today? Can we live that kind of love out? Is it actually, is it actually, uh, does it actually belong to us? How's it, and how's it developed? How do we develop it? How's it developed within us? Can we recognize it? And what does it look like when it's lived out? Verse nine, let me come back to verse nine. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. What he's saying in verse nine is this, the father manifested his love through the son to us. So we got a full view of it. We got a full view of what this love looks like in the life of Jesus. And if we got a full view of what that love looks like in Jesus, then we have a revelation of the kind of love that the spirit is going to develop in us that we can represent the father and the world will recognize it then we can love the world through an agape love. It's the Father's love that's put into action. All right, let me, let me I, I lost my place here in 1 John, but let me come back and, and drop back one chapter to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. Watch this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. What's he saying here? He's saying that you know that you have passed from death. What's death? Death is the old covenant. Death is the eye for the eye. Death, death is the old covenant of retribution. When you are wronged, you have every right to wrong somebody back. You don't have to be anybody's doormat. You, you, you get even with them. Don't let them get away with that stuff, right? You know that you have passed from the old Eye for an eye covenant, which is death. You've come into life, which is the new covenant, and it's demonstrated by agape. By agape. I told you some of you are not going to like this. So how do, we, how do we conform to the pattern of the sun that we can demonstrate this kind of love? All right, now I'm going to start tightening it down just a little bit right here, okay? I'm going to start tightening it down for you. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 7. Back it up to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at how this love begins to work in us. How we develop it. How, how does it come about? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Yeah, verse 24. That's where I want to start. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Got Mark. I thought it looked really strange. That's that's the preacher's worst nightmare is to turn to a scripture, look at it, and you have no idea how it fits. Here we go. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, Jesus said this: Whosoever hears these saying of mine, whoever hears these saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So Jesus is saying, Look, if you do my sayings, you do, do do the sayings that I give you. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be like a wise man who has built his house on a rock. Now he's not talking about houses and rocks. He's talking about lives. 
He's talking about a life that is built on the rock. And what, what is the rock? We read it back in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, 17, and 18, when Jesus went through that little scenario with, with Peter, and he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter piped up and said, watch. He piped up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, I'm this rock. This, the rock is the revelation of the Christ. That's the rock. And the house, he's talking about in verse 24, the house is a life. So what, what are we getting at? We getting at here. We're talking about building a life on the revelation of the Christ within us. That's what he's that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about rocks and building houses with good foundations. He's 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 talking symbolically, metaphorically. The rock is the revelation of Christ. Do, the the deeper you get a revelation of Christ, then the better you're going to be able to build your house. So Jesus said, you get this by hearing and doing my sayings. A lot of people hear, but fewer do than what hear. You ask people about the sayings of Jesus, they compare it, sayings of Jesus, but that doesn't mean they're doing the sayings of Jesus. So let's read what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter seven. Let me read the whole thing, 24 through verse 27 in context. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house, his life on a rock, the revelation of the Christ. You build your life on the revelation of Christ and it comes through doing the sayings of Jesus. And the rain descended, he's talking about opposition. And the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall, the life didn't collapse because it was built on the revelation of the Christ within us comes by doing the sayings. Verse 26, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, this is gonna be an insight to why some of your friends that can mouth it and parrot it, their life falls apart as soon as adversity hits. The, rain, the rains come, the winds blow, and they fold up like a cheap tent. They hear them, but they don't do them. Verse 26, whosoever hears these sayings of mine but does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew on the house and it fell and great was the fall of the house, the life, because it wasn't built on the revelation. So if the Father who is unconditional love, fully manifested in Jesus, is about to pass that love to you, and build a life on revelation, the revelation of the Christ, which was the perfect representation of the Father, who is love, who is love, then it's gonna, the entryway into that is to hear and do the sayings of Jesus. Now let me just put the caveat up there again. The sayings of Jesus are strong, they're heavy. You cannot do these in your flesh. The Spirit has to do a work within us until our consciousness comes to a place where we see everything out of spirit and not flesh. Because your flesh is gonna rebel against the sayings of Jesus. Your flesh is, not, I'm gonna tell you right now, your flesh is not gonna like the sayings of Jesus that we're gonna read in just a minute. And you've spent most of your life trying to figure a way out to not do the sayings of Jesus. 
But if we're gonna if we're gonna manifest as sons and daughters, if we're gonna really reflect our identity as divinity and have a creative power in I amness, then we're gonna have to learn how to function out of the sayings of Jesus so that we can fully represent the Father as Jesus did. First John chapter three, verse eighteen. First John chapter three and verse eighteen. All right, are you ready? Listen to this. My little children, let us not love agape in word or tongue. Let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. So he's saying, don't let us exercise. Let's not exercise this love, this agape. Not just in, in word. We've examined it. We've looked at it. Multidimensional. We've admired agape. You know, tons of teaching on agape. But at some point in time, we've got to stop loving just in word and move this thing over into the deeds. Into the deeds. Now, this is internal work that conforms us to the Christ within. So there's been a lot of good teaching on love that defines it, that examines it, admires it. But the sons... At some point, those that recognize their identity as divinity, that are willing to be a creative force out of I am, have got to at some point push past just the admiration of agape and begin to exercise it. Now I want to read. Uh, for, I want to read those scriptures. First John chapter three, verse eighteen and nineteen. I want to read those out of the Passion Translation, because brother. It, it is strong in the Passion Translation. Let me get over here. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18 and 19. I want you to pay really close attention to this. Beloved, children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about. It's got to be a, a way of life demonstrated through loving deeds. Through loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action, which will reassure our hearts in his presence. What's going to make you strong in spirit, he's saying here, what's going to, what's going to make you be able to stand up and, and hear more, be not, not shy away, not feel any condemnation, reassure, reassure, he says to reassure our hearts in his presence is when we can act on this love that is being developed within us. Now, this is, where, this is where you're going to get abused. I'm going to tell you right up front. This is where you're going to get abused. This is where you're going to get verbally battered. This is where you're going to get taken advantage of. Uh, is when you begin to demonstrate this agape, this one way love that requires no response, doesn't respond, require somebody to love you back or reciprocate. This is where people are going to get you. And this is where your ego is gonna to wanna to stand up on its hind legs and respond, and I'm gonna tell you, not respond in a good way. It's where you're gonna to wanna to level on somebody and let them know they, they can't do you this way, they can't treat you like this. Question is, are you ready to do, hear and do the sayings of Jesus? Are you ready to build your life on a rock of revelation? Are you ready? Are you ready to take that step? This is how how world-changing I amness is built and demonstrated. This is how sons manifest. This is how divinity as identity is exposed. 
the sayings of Jesus. Now, let me read you some sayings of Jesus. You're not going to like this. This, this, is not, this is not simple. This is not, you know, we looked and said, man, that's not cool. That's not cool. But this is what, this is what Jesus said. Don't get angry with me when I read these. I, I didn't make this up. I'm just reading what Jesus said. So if you got an issue, take it to him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the death. That's what John was talking about. But I say to you, all right, here comes the sayings of Jesus, all the way down to verse 45. I say to you, resist, res, not to resist an evil person, not to resist an evil person, but whosoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whosoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him that asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those that despitefully use you that you may be, here it is, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So God makes no, no distinction. This is the tree of life right here. He's not judging anything. He's not saying it's good or bad. He said, my treatment to everybody runs the same. I give the same rain, I give the same sunshine to those that do good, those that do evil. Right. So look, look, let's look at these sayings of Jesus. Back, let's come back to, let me just kind of walk this through a little bit. Verse 38 and verse 39. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Huh? That, we, that, that, yes, sir, we like that. But I say to you, resist not to resist an evil person. I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whosoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Is Jesus telling me... <sighs> Is Jesus telling me that if a person treats me wrong, that I'm to turn around and make myself vulnerable to that person to be treated wrong again? That's exactly what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. Did Jesus do that? Did Jesus do that? Did G when they treated Jesus wrong, did he turn around and just let them treat him wrong again? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak. Whosoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Grace always gives more than it asks. Grace asks nothing. Grace runs on the same one-way street that love runs on. Grace is extended, whether it's reciprocated, whether, uh, you know, somebody calls you and says, I my car's broke down. Can you take me to the doctor? And you say, yeah, I can take you to the doctor. So you take him to the doctor. Spend half your day sitting in a waiting room with somebody. Next day they call you back. You know, I need to run to the grocery store. Can you take me to the grocery store? You know, your eagle wants to say, what's wrong with you, man? Call Uber. I'm busy. I'm busy. Go the second mile. That's the saying of Jesus. That's what he's getting at here. Verse 42 Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. Man, how many, how many times have people asked to borrow something from you, asked to borrow money? You got any, you got any relatives ever done that? 
asked to borrow money, church people, friends at church asked to borrow money, then they, they act like when next time they see you, they don't have anything to owe you. Well, let me, let me tell you something. Let me help you with that. Don't borrow or don't lend to anybody. Give it to them. Give it to them. If they give it back to you, you've gained it. But if you lend to them expecting that they're going to return it to you, you're going to have an animosity. You're going to have an edge toward them. Every time you see them, you think, you owe me money. It got with me when I was pastoring in the building, got me with the elder, sat me down, said, don't be giving people to church anymore your personal money. I was helping people. I would give it to them. I, I don't know how many people I, I gave to because I, I never would lend. I learned a lesson early that as a pastor, I could not lend because people in the church, I would, I would not appreciate it when they didn't pay it back. So I learned if you can't give it to them, don't lend it. Don't let, elder sat me down and said, don't do this anymore. If they want something, they, we have a benevolence committee. We have a benevolence fund. They can come and they can, they can solicit them. But, but you, you have become too easy of a touch. See, that's just the way it was. That's just the way, that's just the way I rolled at the time. I would help anybody. You know, sometimes a benevolent committee wouldn't meet the requirement. I'd help them myself. I, I didn't tell anybody. Didn't make a big deal out of it. But I can tell you what, not one person. I can tell you flat out, not one person. If some of you old church people are watching and you, you, I gave it to you, and you know good and well what I'm telling you is the truth. Not one person ever gave it back. Not one. Not one. Now, if I had lent it, I would have had some unforgiveness. I would have had some problems. I just lend, I, I just give it to them. It's a gift. If you can't afford to give it, don't lend it. That's all I can tell you. So now what he says in verse 43 and verse 44 gets even tougher. He said, you, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. I'm, I'm reminding you, I'm not saying this, Jesus is. He said, if you, if you want to demonstrate a strong life, build a life that flows with the love of God, then do my sayings. I remind you, you can't do that. Don't come out and try to do this on your own. Let the Spirit of God work this in you until it's a natural happening. You cannot do this on your own. This is a work of the Spirit. This is a, a reflection of the invisible kingdom that you and I live out of. Verse 44, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. When's, when's the last time you really blessed an enemy? Well, let me put me in this here. When's the last time we really blessed an enemy? When's the last time, you know, it's one thing to send a check in the mail to somebody you love that you know is having a tough time. When's the last time that we put a check in the mail as a blessing to an enemy that we knew were having a hard time? Our attitude's more, been more, it comes out of ego. Well, you know that, he's had, he, he caused that on himself. He created his own problem, his own mischief. I'm, I'm Really, I'm kind of glad to see it happen to him. He deserves it. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, send him a check, bless him. Now, here's what happens. Here's what happens. It does a work in you far more than them. It frees you up. It blesses you way more than it ever blesses them. Now, verse 45, he goes on and he says, I shouldn't have closed my Bible here. Let me come back and read this because this, this, is, this is what we're talk, talking about this morning, coming out of, out, of a different, out of a different place. Matthew chapter 
5 and verse 45. He says, you do these things. You do these sayings of mine in verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And you'll act just like him because the Father makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So if you really want to manifest as a son, verses uh, 38 down through 44, actually 39 to 44, tells us how to do that, how to do the sayings of Jesus, how to build a life, on how to get revelation, that you can build a life no matter what is thrown against you, you'll be able to stand. We talk a lot about manifesting as sons and daughters of God, but right there in, in that fifth chapter, that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus just lays it out. Those, those verses are not pleasant. I mean, you look and say, man, some of that stuff is not cool. We have spent, honestly, we've spent most of our life trying to figure out how not to have to do that. How not to have to do those verses. How not to bless our enemies. How not to do good to those that despitefully use us. How not to pray for people that do us wrong. How not to go the second mile. Why shouldn't I have to go the second mile? We spent a lot of time and a lot of religiosity has explained it away. Has explained it away. But you cannot explain away what Jesus said. Isn't that how Jesus acted? Look, Jesus set the pattern. They slapped him. Spit on him pulled his beard out, whipped his back. He laid on the ground, watched him nail one hand to the cross and watched him nail the other hand, drive nails through his feet. And there wasn't one person. Think about, put yourself in that place. Not one person that he had poured his life into helped him, gave him even a word of encouragement or aid, didn't want to associate with him at all. You know what his response was? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, just forgive them. Now, you still want to be as he is in this present world? See, we're talking heavy stuff this morning. We're talking about a level of consciousness that we live from that separates us from everything else. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to, I want to, I want to read this before we start unwinding this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know what it is. It's the love chapter. And I want you to, I want you to look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me, let me read verses 1 to 3. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have this agape, I don't have what we're talking about this morning. He said, I'm just sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. There's a lot of tinkling brass and clanging cymbals that are, that are present today that are espousing all kind of stuff but they're not coming out of what we're talking about. They're not living out of that level of consciousness. Though I give my, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and although I have faith so that I could remove mountains, I don't have this level of consciousness. I don't have this level of love flowing from me. I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, have not love, it profits me nothing. What, what is he saying here? He's saying those are great acts. Those are great gifts. Those are great things to have, but without love, they're nothing. We're talking, of, we're talking this morning about the motive of the heart, why we do what we do. Why do we do what we do? Then in verses 4 to 10, he says, this is how it should look. When you're doing the sayings of Jesus and there's a work of the Spirit within, here's the way it's going to look, verses 4 to 10. 
Love suffers long and it's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, oh my. Does not seek its own, it's not provoked. It never thinks evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it shall vanish away, because we do all those things in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, love is perfect, then that which is in part. When we love, that which is perfect is the love then the things that are in part can be done away with. This verses four to 10 is living out of a motive of love that is void of every self-interest. Self gain is out of the picture. It promotes other people. It, it, it's happy when other people gets the promotion. It's not looking for Facebook likes and shares. Their identity is not based on that. Oftentimes, this kind of love we're talking about, this level of consciousness, it works where it's unobserved, where it's unrecognized, it's unappreciated. It works behind the scenes, but it knows that what it's doing, it's coming out of the right motive. Why, why do we do what we do? It has to come out of this love we're talking about. It doesn't, it doesn't survive on attaboys. This is my last scripture. I'm going to use this one to close. And I want, this, don't, don't, don't check out on me now. I want you to listen to this. Listen to this, because this is, this is the key to the whole thing. John chapter, John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's a new commandment. It replaces the one that he gave previously that said, I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. The problem with that is most people don't love themselves. They don't have a right identity, right image. So Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna rephrase this. I'm gonna tell you a different way. He said, I want you to love your neighbor like I love you. Verse 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. So here's the question. How much do you know that he loves you? Seriously. How much do you feel? How much has been revealed that he really loves you? How deep is that love? Because whatever that level of that love is, that's to that degree that you experience his love, you'll be able to love other people. That's why in the church it's hard for people to love because they don't feel love. They, they've never had a, a revelation of the Father's love for them. They've never experienced it because once you experience the love of the Father, then all those doctrines based on fear and hate and them and us, they gotta go out the window i tell you how much he loves you. He hung on a cross, he was murdered, he was tortured, he was humiliated by violent, hostile men. And he allowed himself to be subjected to that to show you the depth of the love that he has for you. When we demonstrate that love, and we're demonstrating it on a level now, but it's gonna go a lot deeper. When we demonstrate that love to other people, Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples. They'll know that you're the sons of God. They will know that you are my place takers. They will know that my I amness is being manifested on the planet through you. So I guess what it really comes down to when we, when we have these three prevalent doc doctrines today or these teachings that are coming out on manifestation of sons and identity as divinity and the I amness and the creative power that we have, 
it really comes down to are we willing to hear and do the sayings of Jesus to build a life on that on that revelation of the Christness within that will demonstrate itself in the sayings of Jesus, which will bring a love to the table that is fully agape and not dependent on other people's response. Are we willing to do that? You know what? I know you are. I know you are. And the world is beginning to witness your manifestation. It's, it's breaking. They're, they're beginning to see there's something different about you. Your identity, you don't identify with, with people's um, approval of you. That's not your identity. Your identity is divinity. You know where it came from. And you're starting to exercise some creativity and, and, and see, I am creating things because I am is coming out of I am that I am. This has been powerful. I hope this settles in deep within you and let it work because where we're gonna to continue to go for the weeks and the months ahead, it's imperative that grace, that divine influence that produces effortless change as you rest in him, it's, 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 it, it has to be relied upon to do the things that we talked about this morning. You are a spirit being, fully, totally, 100%, and you're just observing the human experience. But in this human experience, we're gonna demonstrate fully the Father so that people will look at us and say, like Father, like Son, and I see it in you. God bless you this morning. I think we'll stop right there. See you Wednesday night at The Secret Place. Thank you once again. I always like to thank those people that contribute and pray and help us, got skin in the game, and are walking with us on this journey as we take this life-giving message to the nations and you're a part of it. God bless you. See you next time.